Yeah, as Bethany said, I, I, most Thursdays I'm actually flying. So as you know, if any of you know what Josh is up to these days, you know, he's at flight school. He's, he's kind of like tracking with me 35 years behind what I did. You know, <laughs> I went to, I was in the Air Force, went to flight school, and was in the Air Force for eight years. And you're going to hear about that a little bit later, later on. Uh, and then I've been flying for Americans since the last 26 years. So glad for the chance to talk to you guys tonight. And some of you I know, some of you I don't know. I know the turnover here, especially in the summertime, can be pretty, probably quite a bit. Um, but before I start, I'd like to, I'm putting you on the spot, Miles. Would you mind coming up here and praying for me? All right. Uh, thank you, Father, for the opportunity to just come to your throne room, God, and uh, earlier to worship you, now, God, to hear from your word what you have for us, God. Um, I pray just like... Um, just like it will be on that day when we see you, God, that we will hear only your words, God, not the words of a man, God, but that your spirit will speak through him and carry him along, uh, just as you did when you um, revealed your word to us, God. So uh, we just want to hear from you, God. I pray um, that all of our hearts will be humbled and open to hear what you have, every single one of us, God, and that we will grow from this moment. In Jesus' name, amen. I don't want to block any of your view up here. I do have a few things I wanted to show you up on the screen. You can put that first one up there, Skylar. That's the title tonight. From a, whoop, not yet. <laughs> um, just that title page there. Um, you'll know the truth. The truth will set you free. Also has a scripture associated with that. Anybody know where that is? Will. John, that's right, John. John 8. That's right. Excellent. And we'll talk about that a little more. But I just thought it summed up. Okay. <laughs> well, I wish you wouldn't have told me your live stream. <laughs> okay. Um, last week, we got to hear Will Hoffman speak. You know, how many of you guys were here for that? Excellent talk. I really enjoyed it. And, and, it, it uh, impacted me so much that I just, some of the points he made, I just wanted to kind of use that as a starting off point for what I'm talking about tonight. So I'm hoping that I'm consistent with what he, <laughs> with what he, you know, the spirit of what he was talking about last week. But there were a couple points that really resounded with me last week. You can put the next slide up there, Skyler. One was he made the point that, you remember he talked about the kind of the mean dog and the, and the good dog and all that stuff. He'd, we've got... As believers, we have the spirit in us, but we still must battle the flesh. And he made that case for that out of Romans 7. Where, you know, that's the passage where Paul says, you know, things that I want to do, I don't do, and the very thing I don't want to do is what I do. You know, what, what am I going to do? It's, this war is waging within me. And um, also, uh, Paul writes in Galatians 5, if you want to put that up, I may need to open it up here. Yeah, Paul says, For you are called to freedom, brethren. Only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. And then I'm just going to talk about that first verse here for, uh, to begin with. He says, We're called to freedom, but don't turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh which is Im implying at least, I, I think it's even stronger than that, is saying that even as followers of Jesus, those of us that have been 
that are walking in freedom right now, we have the potential of kind of getting off track and turning that freedom into an opportunity for the flesh. Maybe in our arrogance, you know, I don't, I don't have to walk by these rules anymore. I'm, I can walk in freedom. And what happens there, we, we give the flesh an opportunity to rear its ugly head and, and then we start to slip off into error or maybe we slip off into sin. And so that is another place where Paul indicates that there's, there's a real battle that goes on here that we have to wage. Okay, the next verses. But, he, but then he says, but I say, walk by the Spirit and you'll not carry out the desire of the flesh. For the flesh sets its desire against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another, so that you may not do the things that you please. And that really illustrates that, that battle too, kind of those two dogs again warring with one another. We've got the flesh inside us that has what it wants to do, and the spirit, when we, come to, when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, his spirit comes to reside in us. And, and of course, his desires are going to be directly opposed to what our flesh's desires are. Um, so it, it says there that, uh, you know, it says that these are, are set against one another so that you may not do the things that you please. Okay, so how do we fan the flames of the spirit. That's a little bit of what I want to talk about tonight. Because you can quench the spirit. You can even as a believer in Jesus walk for a time at least where you're really feeding the flesh more than you're feeding the spirit. And then we're not, you know, we're not walking in obedience to him. And as he says here, if you're led by the spirit, you're not under the law. You know, this has been a, a question that I've kind of grappled with because I I think of the verses that have those promises of who we are in Jesus, tell us you know, our position in Christ. Like also in Galatians earlier, he says, anybody know that famous verse, Galatians 2.20? I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. In the life I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. So you could read that kind of out of context, think, well, battle's done. You know, I'm, I've been crucified with Christ. I put that behind me. Let's press on to glory, right? But it's not that easy. Yeah, I, I have been crucified with him. But the reality of living in this world, in this fallen world, is that I'm still going to have to do battle with the fleshly desires that I have. Another verse um, in Colossians that Paul says, uh, talks about the same thing. He says that um, in Colossians 3, it says, For you've died... And your life is hidden with Christ in God. Those are great promises or statements of fact of who we are in Jesus. But we can't just rest on that and say, okay, it's done. You know, I'm, I can just kind of live my life and I'm, uh, I'm a new creature in Christ and I don't have to work anymore. It's, it's, not, it's not like that. Do you ever wonder why the battle? You know, why, you know, why do we have to fight this battle? Why did God set it up that way? Yeah, sanctification, I think is what you said, right. It, it's part of our sanctification. And, you know, he, it, it's part of how we show that we really desire him. Um, I think Will also said last week, he, yeah, Will, that Will. <laughs> I 
Uh-huh. Amen. And we forget that the kingdom is here and now, too. It's not just that someday by and by. We're called to be there and live in the kingdom of God right here and right now. Of course, it's not perfect right here and right now. We've got an enemy that's prowling around like a roaring lion, right, seeking someone to devour. So, but that's, that's part of the battle. And um, he doesn't just, we don't come to Jesus and give our life to him, and he doesn't just put us out as a you know, finished product. We have to be sanctified, go through the process of sanctification. Paul indicates that in Philippians when he tells us to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. He's not saying that our salvation is based on works. He's just saying that once you come to Jesus and you go into that process of sanctification, you do have, you do have to, to, to work, not to be saved, but to draw near to him. You've got to work. Um, also, Peter writes, I think it's in the last couple verses of 2 Peter, he exhorts his listeners, he just says, but grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. So that indicates there's some growing we have to do, right? It, we're not done. We, we, we have to grow. And with that growth shows that there's levels of probably immaturity and different levels of maturity as we come on up. So there is a battle to be waged. Now, the other point that Will made I really liked about repentance, because we, we think of repentance in the terms of, that we hear in church. You know, it's turning from sin and self and turning to Christ. But there's, you know, the, just taking the word repent alone means turning. Not necessarily telling you what you're turning from and to, but it's a turning. And he's, he pointed out a lot of people just, they try, they, they recognize, maybe they have the conviction of the Holy Spirit on them. They recognize an evil or a immoral or a behavior or a sin, let's say an immoral behavior, and they go, oh, that's not good. I better turn around and do some good behavior. <laughs> it's not, that's not what we're looking for either, right? We're not just trying to fix our behavior because then you're back with the law. Um, you know, we think sometimes in our, we kind of tally up, how am I doing today? You know, I've done, I did this bad behavior. Well, I better turn and maybe do a good deed or go serve in the nursery or, or go feed the homeless or something and then kind of even it out so... So that things are, that sounds like karma, you know. I, that's, that's not us. And so I just, I just pointed out, Jesus said, follow me. Don't follow my rules. He says, come to me, all you are weary and heavy laden. I will give you rest. Abide in me. And he says some hard things, too. Eat my flesh. Drink my blood. And that really freaked a lot of people out when he said that. He says, what are you guys, cannibals or something? What is this? A lot of his said a lot of his the people that were not the twelve but people that could be counted as disciples left. And then he turned to the twelve and said, "Are you, you going to go too?" He says, "Where else are we going to go? You've got the words of life." So what he's obviously he didn't mean literally eat my flesh and drink my blood, but he's talking about a level of intimacy that we have to. It's not like we come to Jesus to follow his teaching. We come to him and feed on him, the person of Jesus Christ. Because just his philosophy or his teaching, that'll get us nowhere. Okay. So that's what we need to repent to. Repent from our own way. And what we turn to is this uh, pursuit of Jesus Christ. So given that, what's our motivation to live holy and pure lives? 
What motivates you? The king? You live for the king? Yeah? Who else? Anybody else? What motivates you guys? Nobody is shy. <laughs> what motivates you to live a pure and holy life as, as God has called us to? Pure in heart will see God from the Beatitudes. Pure in heart will see God. Okay. Yes, you do. I'm going to talk about that a little bit here too as well. You know, he commands it for one thing. In 1 Peter 1, 14 through 16, if you want to put that up. He says, as obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lusts which were yours in your ignorance. But like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves also in all your behavior. Because it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. Now that sounds like a behavior, kind of. If you're not, don't really kind of dig down a little deeper. The very thing we said that we're not going to do. We're not going to turn to a, a better behavior. But this is different. Because... When he becomes our Lord, we want to obey him. And to obey him, you know, we, we want to please him and do the things that, that he asks us to do or commands us to do. And that's holiness. He says, you be, shall be holy just as I am holy. Now, how do you do that? How do you um, get to a place where you can be holy as he is holy? How do we even know what that looks like? Jesus, yeah. There you go. I was thinking of a picture of uh, if you were, let's say there's somebody, you know how when you were a little kid, there maybe was an older cousin or an older friend that you looked up to and you wanted to be just like them and everything, and you tagged along with them everywhere they went, and you are kind of a nuisance, kind of an annoyance, but you wanted to look like them, talk like them, be like them and everything. Well, you couldn't just sit in your bedroom and, okay, I'm going to go be like, you know, cousin Jimmy. I, you had to hang out with them. You hung out with them. You listened to what they said. And if, if he was really accomplished and was a writer, you could re <laughs> read what he wrote. And then you wouldn't just listen to what he had to say or read what he had to write. You'd try to do it. And that's how you become like somebody. And that's really what we have. We got the word of God. You spend time with him in this. And that's really the only, excuse me, that's the only way we have to really become become like him, is to spend time with him, and, and then he begins to, to rub off on us. Okay. Um, another, I kind of went off on a little bit on a tangent there, but another reason that we should be motivated to live holy and pure lives is that in, uh, in Colossians 3.5, Paul says that... Um, we're to consider ourselves dead, our members of our earthly body is dead to immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed, which amounts to idolatry. That should be good motivation, right? One thing that's difficult about this is as we walk in freedom, you know, in the Old Testament, they had the Ten Commandments. Of course, they couldn't keep them, but they, they had the Ten Commandments. They had these you know, very strict guidelines. And I, I've been reading through uh, Leviticus. And not just the Ten Commandments, but all the 
rules and how and what sacrifice was, was used for, for you know, a certain festival or, or the, whatever the sin was. There's just so many strict rules and how it had to be offered and what the priest had to wear and how he had to bring it and, and all of that. And, and so the people of Israel had these very strict rules. And I think part of the human condition is it's hard for us to walk in freedom. Even though the word tells us to, Paul tells us several times, you know, to walk in freedom because we want a list. Otherwise, it's hard to say, well, how am I doing? You know, <laughs> it, it's easier to follow a list than it is to passionately follow Jesus. And so we gravitate towards that. There's whole church congregations that are built around different list, lists of do's and don'ts. You know, Christian church organizations, they, they don't really uh, maybe see it that way, but I think, you know, they're kind of putting a yoke on people, putting the, the law on folks. Um, okay, another motivation to live holy and pure lives. Gratitude. He saved us, right? He saved us from eternity without him, eternity in hell. And so out of gratitude, we should want to please him. And because when we come to him and his spirit comes to reside in us, that spirit, if we're fanning the flame of that spirit at all, that, that's another evidence that you belong to him because you want to please him, right? So that kind of, in, in my mind anyway, having said all that, that kind of begs the question, how, well, how do we, that's fine and good, but how do we keep this, these things from becoming a legalistic set of do's and don'ts? Well, I think intimacy with Christ is the answer. One of, the, one of my favorite pictures of what intimacy looks like is in John 15, where he starts off, you know, I'm the vine, I'm the vine my father is the vine dresser. So like the, the father is like the gardener, Jesus is the vine, and we're the branches. And he says, if you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. And he also tells us we'll go and bear fruit if we abide in him. So that, I, the picture of that is that if we, we are drawing our very lifeblood from Jesus, that we, he says, from apart from me, you can do nothing, he says in that passage as well. So the picture is that Jesus is the vine that's soaking the nutrients up, up from the ground, and we're the branches that are connected into the vine. And if we're not connected to it, he says we dry up like a branch and we're thrown away and cast into the fire. So we've got to be connected to him. Otherwise we die. And we can't bear any fruit that lasts, that's worth anything. So that's, that's one way we have intimacy with Christ. Another is uh, that we're, we're called to seek him diligently with our whole heart. And the word says this in several places. Um, Scholar, could you bring up that Proverbs 8? Yeah, there it goes. I love those who love me, and those who diligently seek me will find me. And I think Jeremiah 29, Jeremiah says something like, uh, if you seek me, you will find me. You know, if you seek me with your whole heart, you will find me. Now, and he says diligently. Now, I think in here is the key to why we don't see much power in the Western church anymore. Because he says, if you come after me half-hearted, I'll meet you halfway. You know, he says, if you seek me with your whole heart, if you seek me diligently, 
you will find me. So if you're just kind of phoning it in, if you're not really, if you're just going through the motions and think, well, I'm, you know, reading the word, I'm praying because that's what I'm supposed to do. You probably don't expect much, <laughs> right? I'm not saying that, you know, sometimes our hearts just aren't there and we do things out of obedience. I'm not saying don't, but really try to get your heart to, you know, say, God, you know, create in me a desire for you so that I can come after you with my whole heart. Because without that, it's, we, don't, we don't see much power. We don't see much change in our, yeah, <laughs> bless you, in our lives. Um, but I, I, I think that's one reason we don't see much power in the Western church. It's kind of lifeless is because we, we've got it. We're not desperate. That's another word I like. We're going to be desperate for Jesus. And I'm talking to myself, too. But things are so easy for us here. Um, conveniences, everything's easy for us, really. I mean, life can be hard, I know that. But compared to third world country where the, they're subs- on subsistence type living, just wondering where they're going to get, you know, get to the well and get their water and how they're going to gather their food, and they're crying out to God to provide for them, those people are desperate. I don't wish that on us, but God created us a heart of desperation for you. That's, that's really what we need. And the other verse is from Psalms 119. You know, Psalm 119 is a long chapter, the longest chapter in the Bible. It it talks about, I don't know the term for it, Will probably knows it, but (laughs) how the the chapter is structured, talking about God's word. Um, But Psalm 119, 9 through 11, how can a young man keep his way pure by keeping it according to your word? With all my heart I have sought you. Do not let me wander from your commandments. Your word I have treasured in my heart that I might not sin against you. Now, a lot of guys, a lot of people, there's a lot of memorization systems that, that, mem- that memorize 9-11. It says, how can a young man keep his way, way pure? By living according to your word. I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. But I like that middle verse because it kind of ties all this together. It says, he needs to seek him diligently. And that's, that's part of it. So, you know, by seeking him diligently, it indicates that then God will not let me wander far from him, far, far from his commandments. Well, this hiding his word in your heart, how do we do that? Well, I, can, I, I thought of, you know, the kind of four different phases or types of intake of God's word. Do you have that, Skyler? You got it? Yeah. And and I'm not, don't want to diminish the value of any of these. Because, you know, someone's a new believer or they're a seeker, and they're just reading God's word for the first time, opening it up, I think that's awesome. I think it's great. But if I could draw an analogy between that, I, I think of these as kind of being the most shallow on the surface and then going more deeper and deeper, okay? Read. You, you read to be informed about God's word. You know, what's in there? What's, what's the word have to say about, about Jesus? What's, you know, what, what's it have to say about this or that? But if, if you think about kind of how you approach the newspaper, you know, back when people had newspapers, but you did the news feed on, online or whatever, you're just reading it for information. Now, 
it's not a perfect comparison because you're reading God's word and there's power in God's word. But in general, you're, you're kind of getting just kind of the surface, right? Next step, study. Understand God's word. It's kind of like you're in school now. You went, to, you went to English Lit and there's a book that you read for pleasure a few years ago. Now you're studying it and picking it apart and finding out all the themes that are in the book and writing something on it. So you're, you're really dissecting the, you know, God's word. You're in a Bible study and you're, you're really digging deeper and understanding what it has to say. And then there's memorizing. Know God's word. And I think that's what the psalmist is talking about here. I've hidden your word in my heart. Actually, I think that's the next, these two together. Is, whoop, these, these two right here together. To memorize God's word, you know it. And, and, then, and then you're planning it in your mind. And then meditate. And that's really being transformed, I think, is when you start to meditate on God's word. Because then it goes from here to here. It goes into your heart. Now, how many of you have a negative connotation or a negative impression of the word meditate? Okay, good. East, I hope it's not because you're all new agey. <laughs> but the Eastern religion, new age, all that stuff has kind of hijacked that word. And meditation has come to mean when you sit in a place where you just, it's quiet and you try to empty your mind and reach some level of consciousness and whatever happens to get in your mind, you know, whatever, as long as it helps me achieve a higher level of consciousness. That's not what we're talking about here. For one thing, if a Christian tries to do that, or, or anyone for that matter, you, you could set yourself up for something Will also talked about last week about the, you know, the, the, the parable about the man who was, the demon was, kicked out of the house, he's cleaned and swept the house and it was open and they didn't fill it with anything and he brought, what, seven more demons back and filled it up. So you open your mind up and don't put anything in there, that's a bad, that's a dangerous place to be. Well, we're talking about meditating on God's word is to take the word and just think on it, pray on it, chew on it, um, roll it around your mind, just, just kind of you talk to God about it. And that's the process where God begins to plant the stuff in your heart. And, and I think that's what the psalmist was talking about when he says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Because then it becomes a part of the fabric of who you are. Instead of just being information, it, it becomes part of you. So this is really important. So I just talk about, there's three different things I want to talk about as far as what the power of memorizing and meditating on God's word is. First one we've talked about a little bit already, uh, keeping our way pure and holy. That's from that Psalm 119 passage. That happens as we hide his word in our heart, and it keeps us from sinning against God. The other is freedom. Now, years ago, and I don't know if you've heard, if, you know, sometimes Gary will pull out a sermon from a long time ago, and you might hear it again. <laughs> but, and you may have heard me say this. I don't remember. Apologize if you have. But it was a message he gave that really had an made an impact on me, made an impression. And he was talking about the power of God's word. And I'm talking about that John 8, 31 and 32 passage. Can you put that up, Skyler? 
So, so Jesus was saying to those Jews who had believed him, if you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine. And you'll know the truth, and the truth will make you free. So the question is, what makes us free? You hear the truth, but it's the truth you know. That's right. If you don't know the truth, it's not going to make you free, right? So you've got to know it. That's right. <laughs> okay. You know, and there's, it, it, can, it can set you free from a lot of things. Sin. How about error? There's so many weird um, teachings going on out there that if we know the word and we've got enough of it planted in our heart, it, we can be armed against error and, and keep from being led astray down the wrong path. Um, let's say that we're, we're struggling with our identity and we're feeling worthless. Well, if you knew 2 Corinthians 5, 17, it says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. It says, I'm, I'm new in Jesus. I'm somebody. And that's just because you know the truth. You can battle that lie. Um, and then in, in Colossians 3, which is after that, uh, I'm going to, my Bible up and read it. But it's after that passage I read a little while ago where, where, where Paul said to consider the members of your earthly body as dead to immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed. And then he goes on to say, bear with me a second while I get the page open. He goes on to say that, um, you, know, you know, put to death those things because it is because of those things that the wrath of God will come upon the sons of disobedience. And in them you also once walked when you were living in them. But now you also put them all aside, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abusive speech from your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you laid aside the old self with its evil practices telling us who we used to be, but I'm not that person anymore. And you can, if you know that, you know the truth. Say, I don't, I don't have to wallow down around the mud because this is who I, I really am. This is who I am in Jesus. Okay. And then, so we've got keeping our way pure and holy, freedom, and transformation. One of my favorite verses in the, in the Bible, Romans 12, 2. Therefore, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. He says, do not be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. So that, I, what I'm really making a case for you here for is hiding the word of God in your heart. It's hard. It's hard to be disciplined to do it. Um, I started doing it about 20 years ago, off and on. Um, if you don't have somebody that you can meet with to kind of, ch you know, check up on you, it's, 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 it's tough to stay up with it. But I've, I've kind of plugged away at it over, and, and I've got a fair amount of scripture hidden in here. Not as much as Steve. I can tell when he got, he's like a walking <laughs> Bible. He, he know, knows the word. But I've got quite a bit of the word hidden in my heart. And I want to tell you a little story how the word of God saved me from destruction. 
It's from a long time ago. It's from, I was kind of, I told you I was about 34 years ahead of Josh and his life path. If most, if you, you guys all know Josh is my son, but he's at pilot training right now. This was, I'd gone through pilot training, had graduated, gotten my wings. Then I went on to, my follow-on airplane was a C-130. I went and got trained on that. So this is about a year and a half after I started pilot training that I was a mission-ready pilot, and I got shipped out to the Philippines, Clark Air Base in the Philippines. It's probably your neighbors with Steve, and we didn't even, didn't even know each other back then. But um, to kind of give you a little snapshot of where I was in my personal life and my walk with Jesus, I was, I was not growing. I was probably just slipping a little. I had been involved at pilot training with the, are you, any of you all familiar with the Navigators? Do you know who the Navigator ministry is? Great organization. They put reps like at college campuses and military bases, and then they, they're assigned to make relationships with, you know, develop relationships with people that are either in the school or at the base with the goal of discipling them and evangelizing others and just kind of having this multiplying, um, you know, multiplying ministry. And I was involved with them at pilot training, had a really good group there, and I was challenged in a way I'd never been challenged in my life before. That's why I was first exposed to scripture memory, but I did a little bit, not much. <laughs> um, but I went overseas to the Philippines. I didn't get involved in it there. Now I did do some church things. You know, I went to, went to chapel, and I uh, was involved in a, a Bible study group that was at the chapel. It was mostly couples, and I was single at the time. I hadn't met my wife yet. met her after I got back to the States. But I was really, to, I was kind of fooling other people. The people in my small group thought I was doing good. I think the cha pastor at the chapel thought I was doing good, but I, I wasn't. I wasn't doing good. I was, I think at this time, was about 26, single, thinking I was going to always be single because of just where I was, and I, I was really discouraged. I wanted to have a wife and a family. Well, I shared a house off base with another uh, officer, another single guy, and part of the scene over there and all these bases over in places like the Philippines, everybody has a live-in maid. And my living maid, was, her name was Susie, and she was like my mom overseas. She would, I mean, she'd get after me about stuff. Hey, <laughs> wait a minute, I'm paying you. you. You can't talk to me like that. But anyway, she was, she was a good, as my maid, she was, you know, she'd cook my clothes, or cook my, cook my, <laughs> clean my clothes, cook my meals, all that stuff. And she, she was a good lady. She watched out for me. And, um. But she knew this family, local family there, and they had the, a daughter who was, this family was a pretty prominent family. They owned a hotel, local Filipino family. And she thought that it would be nice for me to meet her. So I did. <laughs> What's funny? <laughs> did I say something? What? Yeah, she was. She's trying to set me up. So we... I started to, to see her, and, and mostly as friends at first, and we developed our friendship. We started to, to see more and more of one another, and then I got, I sort of heard through the grapevine that she had been married before, but was divorced. I thought, hmm, that's 
interesting. But I, I'm, I'm kind of enjoying our time together. And I said, well, she's divorced. Well, okay, we'll press on. And, and then found out she was separated from her husband. And he was based, he was military also. He was, ba- he was back in the States. She considered the marriage over, but they were legally separated. And, of course, had I been walking with Jesus as I should have been at that time, I would have just said, okay, I'm out. But I thought, you know, we were kind of, we get together in groups. I thought, we can just hang out, you know. It's, it's funny. A lot of times the path to destruction happens just one little error at a time, right? Well, there was an evening we ended up at our house, my house alone, and she tried to seduce me, she tried to entice me to take her to bed. The kindness of God, I just so happened the week before had read, can you put up the Proverbs passage? Proverbs 7. I've been reading this passage. Okay, let's just read through it. It's powerful. For at the window of my house, I looked out through the lattice. And I saw among the naive and discerned among the youths a young man lacking sense. Passing through the street near her corner, and he takes the way to her house. In the twilight, in the evening, in the middle of the night, and in the darkness... And behold, a woman comes to meet him, dressed as a harlot and cunning of heart. She is boisterous and rebellious. Her feet do not remain at home. She is now in the streets, now in the squares, and lurks by every corner. So she seizes him and kisses him, and with a brazen face she says to him, I was due to offer peace offerings. Today I have paid my vows. Therefore I have come out to meet you, to seek your presence earnestly, and I have found you. I've spread my couch with coverings with colored linens of Egypt. I've sprinkled my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. Come, let us drink our fill of love until morning. Let us delight ourselves with caresses. For my husband is not at home. He has gone on a long journey. He has taken a bag of money with him. At the full moon, he will come home. With her many persuasions, she entices him. With her flattering lips, she seduces him. Suddenly, he follows her. Now, let's look at this, listen to this. As an ox goes to the slaughter, or as one in fetters to the discipline of a fool, until an arrow pierces his liver, as a bird hastens to the snare, so he does not know that it will cost him his life. Now, therefore, my sons, listen to me and pay attention to the words of my mouth. Do not let your heart turn aside to her ways. Do not stray into her paths. For many are the victims she has cast down, and numerous are all her slain. Wow. Now, here's the kindness of God in this situation. Because what I described to you earlier in hiding the word in your heart, I'm saying reading doesn't really do it. you you got to spend time memorizing, meditating on the word. I'd read this passage once, and when this started to develop, it was screaming in my head. These words were just... And I just said to her, I said, no, why not? You're married. I can't do this. I'm out. And it was, we were, it was gone, you know, we were gone. So I took her home, and, and that was it. It was just like God hit me upside the head <laughs> but in his kindness. 
but I'll be forever grateful. Who knows how my life would have altered at that point? I, I don't know. Now, I don't want to um, presume upon the Lord that he's going to come and rescue you or rescue me every time we mess up and just dive in with some scripture you read last week or the week before and, and, and bail you out. So that's why I'm a big proponent of hide the word in your heart because it'll keep, it'll keep you from sin. It'll keep you from sin. Oh, this is, this is serious stuff. I think back on that and shudder sometimes and, uh, and just been so grateful to God for his kindness. So guys, just uh, fall in love with the word, fall in love with Jesus, and uh, pursue him with your whole heart. Let me pray for us. Father God, we thank you for your love for us. We thank you that, that you don't just tell us to be holy and don't give us the tools or the way to do it, but you equip us to live lives of holiness and to pursue you with our whole heart. You know that we can't do it on our own, but you give us the grace to, to come after you with our whole heart. And Lord, I just ask that you would stir up in us a desire for you that really is desperate, that we will come to you and say, I must have you. I must have more of you. And then as we do that, we would see the things, those sins that hang on to us begin to fall away because they hold no desire for us anymore because we have become more and more like Jesus. We become to look more and more like you. Our heart and our desires line up with your heart and your desires. And when the things that we used to want to do, we don't do anymore because that war that's going on, the spirit within us is winning over the flesh. Thank you, Lord. Teach us to walk by, the flesh, walk by the Spirit in all that we do and, and to, to feed your Holy Spirit within us. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.